latest episode of the Generosity Experiment. Hey guys, if this is your first time listening to one of these episodes of the Generosity Experiment, go back and listen to the first episode in this series and join with us in the Generosity Experiment. You can go over to thegenerositytheexperiment.com or visit us on the Facebook page and join in this movement. We're excited to have you and let's get started. Welcome back to the Generosity Experience mini-series. Today I want to talk about what I call the pity trap. And I want to illustrate the pity trap by an experience that I had while I was in Ghana. And, you know, this, you can take this um, experience and apply it in your own life because it happens all over the place. It was just very apparent to me through this experience that I had fallen into what I'm calling here the pity trap. Initially, when I went to, to Ghana, I, I was going on a service trip. So I went with good intentions, but soon after I got there, I realized there were some flaws with how I was approaching my time in Africa there. This is what opened my eyes to see that this was not just a problem with me in Africa. This was a problem that permeated the way I did life in general. So the first day of the trip was spent in the capital city of Accra. This is where we were going to stay the day prior to taking the trek out to the little village where we would be doing the majority of the service. So rather than spending the evening in a hotel room, I figured that going out and exploring the city would get me started in getting to know the people that I was there to serve. So not too far from the hotel where we were staying was a beach. Along the beach, there were many shops and people selling all sorts of stuff there. Because this was the capital city, most of the goods were meant for the well-meaning tourists visiting there. I had not ventured more than about 100 yards on the road that ran alongside all of these shops before I was approached by a man by the name of William. He came right up to me and we started talking. And he started to ask me questions about me and my life, what I was doing there, etc. After a few minutes into our conversation, he asked if I would come back to his shop and see if he had anything that I would like to buy at all. As we approached his shop, before he would let us in to see what they had to sell, he had about six or seven of his friends there that all wanted to play this drums for us. They all had their own drums, and they were drumming and playing for us. And at this point, I was very skeptical. <laughs> I was looking for the angles that this guy could be taking to take advantage of me. I was on high alert, right? Well, after they finished their beating of the drums, he showed me back to his shop he had hand-carved African traditional stuff, hand-painted pictures, clothes, just about anything else you could imagine. Still skeptical, though, I decided I was going to spend a few dollars there with him. But because of the skepticism, I was wanting to make my purchase and then just be on my way, just get out of there. After we finished our transaction, he did something that surprised me. He asked me if I would like a tour of the rest of the beach. This took me by surprise. It was just, it, the beach was just beyond the shops where there was a shanty town and there were several hundred people that lived in makeshift homes for whatever they could find to build their homes with. So not really knowing a polite way to turn him down, I accepted. And I began this little impromptu tour thinking, what was the angle here? But I found myself starting to trust in this man's humanity he continued to ask me questions about me and where I was from, drawing similarities out of comparing and crashing our environments. He even led me down closer to where the beach was. He seemed to know everyone in the shantytown. He would introduce me to people as if we were like long lost friends. 
I was introduced to a few of them, and they treated me like old friends, the people that he introduced me to. When we made our way around to the other side and back up to the street where the shops were, at this point, William had to catch a bus to get home to his family, and we ended our little tour as friends, exchanging information with the hope of contacting each other in the future. What part hit me, though, is I was blind to the service that this man was offering me. I couldn't see past the mission that I had to serve these people, to grace them with my privileged presence and bestow my goodness on them. This is what the pity trap will do. When we see someone as less than us or someone to have pity on, then we are using them as a tool to see ourselves in some self-serving way. For me, I had to see William as someone in need of my help, and so when he offered service to me, it was not met with the sincerity that I believed that I, that I had, that I'd come to Ghana with. This was rude. This was a rude awakening for me because I realized that because of the way I saw not just William, but all of my African friends, it would determine the amount of love and service I was going to be able to receive from them. You see, pity is a one-way road. When someone sees himself like I did as better than, it becomes really hard to learn, almost impossible to learn from those that we serve. When we serve to satisfy our need to be of service, to feel like we are good, we fail to see those that we serve as people. We objectify them. We see them as objects in order to fulfill our need. Offering something just as precious and unique as our service may be to them. You know, these people offer something that, that we don't see when, when we see them as somebody to have pity on. Pity only happens by looking down. Usually when we see that we have something better or more enlightened or we're more righteous or even more blessed than somebody else. Service, the way it is supposed to work, is a two-way road of giving and receiving. Not in a 50-50 kind of way where I expect something because I gave something. But when we give of ourselves for the benefit of someone else, that is when we truly are able to receive the blessing that can come from giving. I learned from my time in Africa and have seen it in tenfold in the year or so, or so since that in order to learn from people, you need to see them as equals in the way that we share the same humanity. And as we do that, the floodgates will break wide open. What we can learn from people and their circumstances will increase. Our appreciation for them and their lives will increase. I learned that there was no way the people I spent time with in Africa could have taught me the things that they did that were a blessing to them and to me and to the world if they had not had the life that they had. If they had not been given the circumstances that they had been given. Having pity on certain people for living the way they do or having what they have is really just doing a disservice to them and to me and to the world. Another story is a while back I was at a conference. I was standing behind this woman waiting in line to buy some ice cream at a food truck just outside the conference center that we were attending. So there are some obvious things that you can know about this scenario. One is I didn't need the ice cream. Two, I obviously had the money to be at the conference. So you could tell at least I was not destitute. And I wasn't a homeless man on the street. I was, wasn't the starving kid in Africa. I wasn't any of these things that people typically have pity on. 
I was just a regular guy that obviously had some means and was standing behind this woman in line to get ice cream. She proceeded to give the guy taking the orders of the window a $20 bill and asked him to cover whatever I bought and then take the rest for a tip. It was interesting because obviously she didn't have pity on me, or at least I don't think she did, but she gave to me anyway. She didn't wait till the perfect moment to give to somebody who she felt was in dire need of circumstances. This act of kindness got me thinking. I, I am just as important as the beggar on the street. But why does the thought run through my mind that she should give to someone else and not me? Well, it's because I see myself as privileged and because that, uh, that I'm above others and, that, and I have more than what others should have. But the kind act towards me really moved me in the sense that all of us are here and we're as equals in the sight of God. And we all need compassion. We all need charity. We all need service. This goes for the CEO who is wealthy, who's had a bad day. Somebody who's poor might look at him and think, oh, you might have a bad day, but it does nothing compared to mine. But if it is a hard day for him, then we should have compassion on him. It will make us better people if we can see people in that light. If we only believe that we should serve those that we have pity on, then by default, we believe that those that we see as having more than us should therefore have pity on us, right? That's how it works. And so we wait for them to serve us and to do things for us because we feel entitled to their pity. We feel entitled to their service to us. Whereas true service is a partnership. It is something you do in tandem with somebody else. So rather than seeing them as people in need of our help, which was the primary reason for my going to Africa, getting out of the pity trap allowed me to see a lot bigger and broader picture. I now see that there are people all over the world, some of them might be our neighbors and some of them might live in a far off land, but we all have something to learn from each other. Pity prevents us from doing that, from learning what we need to learn from each other. Perhaps a good illustration of this point can be made by examining the well-documented effects of self-pity. For most people, as soon as they hear that term, they are, there are certain attributes that accompany it, that you think of as soon as you hear the word self-pity. For example, someone who has self-pity might be described as negative or unproductive, unconfident, or entitled. These are the feelings associated with self-pity, and they are attached to it for a good reason. These are the feelings that, that the practice of self-pity bring to the surface in us. I've never heard someone using self-pity as a way to describe themselves if they were trying to impress somebody. Why then, if not by word at least indeed, are we so willing to see others in need of our pity if we don't even want it for ourselves? The harmful effects of pity are very similar to that of self-pity. When we have self-pity, we are depriving ourselves of an opportunity to learn from our own circumstances because we fail to see them as a, as a teaching moment. When we have pity on other people, we deprive ourselves of the opportunity to see the circumstances as a gift and we give them permission to have self-pity. We need to look at each other with appreciation of the circumstances of what other people go through. Just like I had to in Ghana. I could have gone through the week thinking these people are in such need of my help. 
They live in grass huts and some don't even have clean water. But if I had done that, I would have never realized that these people were happy. They had what they needed and they had more knowledge because of their experiences, because their circumstances that I did not have privileges to. They had privileges and advantage to life, to perspective, and a way of life that I did not have. This made the privileges and the things that I knew and understand stand out to me. If I had only had pity, I would have not seen or learned from them the way that I did. Helen Keller said of self-pity, It is our worst enemy, and if we yield to it, we can never do anything wise. How true is this? I would say that pity is the enemy of service. And if we yield to it, then not only can we never do anything wise, but we can't ever learn from each other. Thanks for listening to the day, guys, on the Generosity Experiment. If you are interested in and you and this is the first episode you listen to, go back and listen to episode number one. And feel free to go to the website, thegenerosityexperiment.com. You can see what we're doing there with the generosity cards and the the thing that's going on. We have a Facebook group you can join and be a part of this movement. But thanks for listening today, and we'll see you next time. Go out and be generous.